This episode of Singling is brought to you by TukFab. Taking your brand everywhere. TukFab.com. Welcome to another episode of Singling. My name is Vanessa Valerio. And how crazy is it that it's already summer? And everyone is out looking for love, falling in love. So this episode, it's about love stories, about the way we meet people, the way we fall in love. And during this technological world that we live in, it would not make sense to make an episode without talking about online dating. Let's start the show talking to Vanna Kotsumitsis. She's the founder of DatePlay, an app that... If you're single, you should be using. A fictional doorway, dark I am on the phone with Vanna. Vanna has a very interesting background, so please tell us who you are. Okay, so my name is Vanna Kutsumidis, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of DatePlay. DatePlay is a dating app where you play games to meet your match. And um, I'm originally from New York born and raised, but I spent the past nine years living in London, um, and that's where I came up with the idea for date play. After doing some matchmaking of my own, I realized that the dating apps were broken, and we needed to find a more human way to date. I actually was um, a personal matchmaker for a while, and I had a company where I would help match people according to their online profile. So let me give you an example. You would hire me and I would go online and try to find matches based on what you told me you were looking for. And then I would send you the profiles and encourage you to go on dates. So I was basically vetting the online dating sites for good matches. And what I realized in that process is that the whole environment of online dating was so transactional that People didn't want to go through it. People didn't like the experience. So that's why I thought of the idea of putting games into the dating experience to break the ice easier and make it less kind of, yeah, not just transactional, but also less of a kind of pressure-filled environment because online dating can have so much pressure attached to it, especially for the women who are always trying to, you know, to find someone to go on dates with and there's a lot of rejection that goes with it. So I wanted to try to create a more fun, interactive environment that wasn't so focused on, you know, describing yourself or having the best pickup lines. That could be a little bit more about playing a game, doing an activity, and then organically getting to know each other. I love that idea. So how do you think that online dating has changed society? So I think that online dating has had some very positive and slightly negative impacts on dating. Um, and obviously, dating is a big part of our lives. Um, right now, one in four people meets online. One in four marriages is made online. By 2040, so 20 years from now, half of couples will have met online. So there has definitely been an impact on our society. The positive, the positive impact is that more people are interacting. You're able to meet people that you would have never met otherwise. And that's pretty awesome. It's opening up the pool and allowing you to connect with people who 
are, could be really compatible with you who maybe in the past without online dating you have never met before. Now, for the more negative um, connotations and, and impact, people tend to hide behind profiles. So um, not only do people act differently in a conscious way, but they also do so subconsciously. So I was recently speaking to one of my friends who's 25, living in London, and she mentioned that when she goes to bars now, the guys don't actually talk to her at the bar. And what they do instead is they go on their app and they match with her or they check her out and decide if they want to date her. And I do think that is a more negative impact because that basically takes away the humanity of dating. That takes away the soft touch and the importance of just feeling it out and chemistry and scent and, you know, that physical dating experience is really important. So I'm a little bit hesitant about that aspect of things. But in terms of the overall impact of dating, I do think that online dating has been a positive one and we're just going to tweak it more over time to make it more and more positive and to try to take away those more kind of negative adverse effects. And I think it's so interesting how 10 years ago, when I started doing Match, or even a little longer than that, I I was on Match, but I was not telling anyone that I that I was on Match. It was kind of, uh, I was embarrassed. Taboo, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, right, how things have changed, how it's become so much more mainstream. It's kind of like the norm. What? You're not on a dating app? What? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's been more than 10 years. And this is where we are on dating apps. What do you think it's next? What's the next step? How is it going to evolve? I do think it's just going to become more and more normal to meet online. And it'll be a very different conversation. You know, now if you look at the the wedding section of the New York Times, for example, you'll see a few people who meet online. But the majority of people still meet in university and at work. And I think we're going to see a big shift very soon where we actually start seeing the majority of people are going to be talking about meeting on these apps. And it's not something to be ashamed of. I think that what's really interesting is actually the argument that online dating actually can create better matches, better matches than meeting in person. And why is that? Because you are filtering for what you want. And a lot of the times... When you're on a serious dating app or a serious dating site, you're mentioning and outlining your deal breakers very explicitly. So what does that mean? You might have a religious um, kind of restriction or you might have a dietary restriction. You might be a a non-drinker and not want someone who, who drinks alcohol. And what does that do? That actually really helps because a lot of the time when we meet people, we forget about our boundaries. So we forget about our deal breakers. We forget, you know, we are, we get so enamored, we get so obsessed that we don't want to see the bad things. We don't want to see the drawbacks. So there is an argument that actually it's a really beautiful thing to have these dating apps because it helps you sift through the people who long-term won't work for you. And it helps you actually understand who's right for you in the long term. So I do think that could be a potential, um, interesting change and shift that we see um, is potentially stronger couples and hopefully lower divorce rates and lower um, 
dissolutions of marriages because these people are able to weed out the individuals who just don't match with that from the very beginning rather than giving those people a chance. But online dating also gives you so many options that I remember oh, no. I remember that when I was dating a perfectly nice guy, I would always think like, well, but maybe there's something better. Someone that is going to have more things in common with me. You know, there's always that idea that you, know, you can find someone I, better. I totally agree with that. And I totally think that that's a big problem that's been happening in our society. But I also think that it's related to another issue, which is nothing to do with dating. And that is urbanization and the fact that you're in, you were in New York. You know, you were in a place where things so fast and there were so many people and it was always about trading up and finding something better, right? I do think it's also a product of where we're dating. So when we're dating in these big cities, we're always trying to think of finding the absolute best that we can. We're always trying to compete with ourselves. But I do think that people in smaller towns, for example, they might be more realistic about what's out there and give people a chance because it's just a numbers game, right? Yep. So, so I, I do think we're going to see more of a shift into the direction of apps that are focusing on taking away options. So we've seen a lot of apps come out um, recently, like Coffee Meets Bagel, for example, where you have one match per day. Yeah. And the reason behind that is exactly what you're saying. It's, it's overwhelming to have so many different options, and it's definitely difficult at times when you're thinking, oh, but maybe I could... You know, let me swipe one more time to see if I can find someone better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, which app do you think, of course, besides Dateplate, which which app do you think has the best results? Um, I am a big fan of OkCupid. So, I love OkCupid. I think it is a great site because it focuses on asking you what you like, and then it focuses on matching you with people who have similar or complementary um, characteristics. So one of my best friends actually worked with me when we were match when I was matchmaking. She was helping me um, matchmake, and I discovered OkCupid and went on there, answered hundreds of questions, and while she was working with me, ended up meeting her husband. What advice do you give daters that want to succeed, that want to find a partner uh, doing online dating? So my best piece of advice is a little bit weird, but if you like someone, stop chatting with them. Do not chat with them online. It decreases the likelihood that you'll get along in real life. Instead, you should arrange for a coffee date or some sort of activity as soon as possible, and meet as soon as you can. So let's say it's a Monday, you're chatting with someone who you think you like, don't chat with them until Friday and then set up a date for that. That's just really a terrible idea because you end up putting the expectations so high. So what you do is you start creating an image in your head of what this person is, creating a fantasy, and they end up never really living up to your expectations. The second thing is be honest about who you are on your dating profile. There is literally no point 
in fabricating, putting up um, doctored pictures. That's kind of the new thing with all these beautifying apps. They allow you to find the best picture and edit it. There's just no point in doing that because you always want to set the expectations low, right? I think one of the biggest problems with dating apps is that we try to paint the best picture of ourselves. And then we go and meet a person in real life, and inevitably, they're disappointed or we're disappointed because everyone's trying to sell themselves in the best light possible. So my best advice is, one, meet as soon as possible. Don't chat on the apps. Really, do not get into deep conversations on the app. Save those for real life. That's where you'll have more fun with it. And the second thing is just be you. Be funny. Be authentic. If you are a certain way and you think that people won't like it, that is defeating the purpose of online dating. The point of online dating is to actually be yourself, be transparent, and try to be a little bit vulnerable because that's the way you're going to meet someone who actually likes your quirks and likes you for who you are. That's excellent. Thank you so much for being on Single in Vanna. Thank you, Vanessa. Nice speaking with you, and good luck to all the daters out there. It's just a numbers game. So the more you look, the more you meet, the more people you meet, the more likely you are to, to meet your match. And let's continue talking about how we meet people, not only through an online dating app, but online. Let's listen to Megan Hutch. She has a very interesting story about how she met her loved one. <laughs> uh, I met Nick uh, off the internet, off Instagram. Um, what were you doing on the Instagram? Because I, I don't think I've ever met anyone, especially not a significant other. What, why are you on the Instagram? On the Instagram. On the. <laughs> um, I don't know. I had a really large following over body positivity. So um, I think that's how Nick found me, that I had probably popped up on his explore feed. And uh, he started digging through my Instagram and liked a disgusting amount of photos. And I kept seeing his name pop up. I'm like, who in the fuck is this guy? And then finally, I had a message that was in my, um, like, your screened messages, the ones that, because I wasn't following him. And uh, he wrote this whole thing about how my Instagram had spoken to him, that he was in a weird place in his life at that moment, and a lot of the things that I had posted had really spoke to him, and he just thanked me for that. And if I'm being super honest, I was like, ugh, okay, whatever. And then... He added me on Snapchat, which is another, you know, platform. And I was at a lecture for my birthday. I went to go see a lecture about Dr. Mutter, which is a famous uh, doctor from the early 1900s. And I posted in my Snapchat story what I was doing. And he wrote to me, he's like, that looks really interesting. What are you doing? I was like, he's trying really hard. So I'm going to talk to him. And I took a second and I responded and then we hit it off. And a few, probably like a couple hours in, I asked him if I could take him to coffee. And he said, this is when you're gonna stop talking to me. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I stop talking to you? And he told me he was in Alaska. And where were you at that time? I was in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh wow. 
and to this day we still joke around that I'm a balloon and he's a rock because in that moment all I said was well that's what planes are for so um, we kept talking and talking and talking and every day our we had at least three different conversations going. We were sending each other pictures on Instagram. We were talking in a Facebook message and on Snapchat. So we were just never not connected. And about three weeks in, um, I bought a plane ticket and I left. And I went to Alaska to go see him. So I have horrible flight anxiety. So I was a disaster the whole way there, um, including there was something that happened on the plane um, where the planes got delayed and I thought I was gonna miss my flight in Seattle which would have gotten me there on time and I was terrified and I'm sobbing and I'm a disaster and he's talking me down and trying to help me get through it and he told me that he never wanted me to travel by myself again because I was such a mess <laughs> and uh, when I got there to the airport it was like I just hadn't seen him in a really long time it didn't feel like it was somebody new that I was falling into their arms it was somebody who I had I just hadn't seen him in a long time I was there for I think 10 days. Um, so after I came home from Alaska, uh, things seemed really normal and things seemed all right. But um, Nick had a freak out because long distance is hard and he, we broke up. But we didn't actually break up because we were talking every single day, all day long. And we were still completely connected. And I made a choice to move to Denver um, in June of 2016, I packed all my stuff up and I packed up my eight-year-old and we drove to Denver and we moved here. And I, I needed space, I needed distance. And so Nick and I took some space from each other, um, three weeks exactly. And uh, he texted me and told me that he was thinking about moving to Denver. And I flew to Alaska and we drove down here together and he moved to Denver. I think it was the right time. I don't think that either one of us expected this to become what it has. Um, but he's my best friend and he's my partner. And I, there's always that story of that you're supposed to be with a person who's your best friend. And then there's the people who say that you don't need to do that, but being with your best friend is way better than I ever expected. I think I knew I was in love with him when I came out to Denver to visit my family and it was wonderful, it was great, and I had decided I wanted to move. That was my wanting to leave. And I went home to Ohio and my boss at the time felt like I was doing it to her. She was offended that I was quitting and so she fired me on the spot. And when I left work that moment, the only person I wanted to talk to was him. And even though technically we were broken up at that point, he's who I wanted. He's who I wanted to talk to. He's who I wanted to comfort me. And he was out of town in a place where he didn't have uh, reception. So I couldn't speak to him. And I think that was a definitive moment that I really wanted him. I didn't want anybody else. So I knew I was in love with him at that point. But. And our next story is from Yovanka Sanchez. And I loved talking to her and I loved the way her and I met. We met online on Twitter because I asked on Twitter if anyone had a love story that wanted to share. And of course, Yovanka said I do. So let's listen to her very romantic story. 
Vanessa. Beautiful. I'm great. I'm very happy to be talking to you. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes, of course. Thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me to your show, uh, uh, to your audience, to your followers. Um, my name is Yovanka Sanchez. I am a storyteller. Um, I uh, created a company that is called La Mariposa Films that is focused on telling uh, women's stories and uh, brand stories and connecting emotionally with, with people uh, because, as we know that right now, you know, emotions are very important. So I'm a storyteller more than anything. That's awesome. And uh, since you're a storyteller, can you tell us how many or, or how did you find love in life? Of course, I can tell you. Well, um, I've been married 18 years to an amazing Venezuelan guy. Uh, my story started about 20 years ago. We, um, I actually was going out with another Venezuelan guy uh, before I met him. And things were sort of, uh, you know, finishing off with, with that Venezuelan guy. And a friend of mine uh, said, look, you know, since you're open now to meeting new people, there's this dinner, why don't you come to this dinner? And, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of interesting people, a lot of nice guys. And, you know, I was pretty open because, again, you know, things were ending off with, with the other Venezuelan guys. So I, I went to this dinner and, and I met a lot of really nice people, but, one particular guy was the one that sort of caught my attention. He was, he was very cute. He was very charming. And we sort of clicked. You know, we, we were flirting pretty much the whole night and, um, and talking and, and enjoying the evening, you know, with, with everyone else. But I never really shared with him my, my information, my phone number, or anything like that. It was just sort of, you know, flirting and, and, and getting to know this guy. But, but he never asked for my number. I didn't, you know, pursue it either. Um, so that was that. The next day, at the time I was working at Univision, the next day um, I got a phone call. And uh, when I asked her, I said, who is this? And he said, this is the man of your dreams. And I was like, okay, who is this guy, you know? And then he said, well, you know, we met last night and uh, at the dinner and, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, uh, follow up on you. So he basically kind of found my... My, obviously it wasn't hard, you know, he knew I was working at Univision, but he followed up and, and, and called me, you know, and pursued that. So he asked me out, but I could not go out that week. Um, and, and this ended up happening for, for about a year that every time he would ask me out, there was something that would happen, you know, either I was traveling or I had friends over. And it sort of fell for him, I think, you know, once we, we kind of got together and, and learned about each other and, and were, you know, already on, on, on a serious relationship, I learned that he thought I was kind of playing hard to get, which I really wasn't, you know, it was just really, really, honestly, things that were going on and happening in my life. So it took a year, a year for him, uh, he was continuously asking me out. And, and then the last time he asked me out, he actually knew that we had a common friend that um, the wedding was going to happen on, on, on our common front of ours. And he called me and he said, look, um, do you want to go to this to the wedding together, you know, uh, of, of our friend? And I said, well, you know, call me at the end of the week and I'll let you know. Because I wasn't sure um, if I was going to be able to make it to the wedding. So by this time, he was really fed up. He was like, that's it, forget it. You know, this has been a year and she's too complicated. Too, she's playing hard to get. So he never called. And since he never called, I was like, okay, now what am I going to do, you know? So I ended up finding a friend 
in and I said to my friend, look, um, you know, do you want to go to the wedding with me? And I knew that we were just friendly. I mean, there was no interest from him to me or me to him. And I said, there is maybe this guy in the wedding, which I don't know if he's going with someone or not, but he's kind of cute. I think he was very nice. I haven't seen him for a year. And if we kind of end up hooking up, are you okay with that? He was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I said, as a matter of fact, there's going to be another friend of mine who I want to introduce you to. So, you know, it will work out perfect if, if it happens to be that I kind of, you know, um, hook up with this guy and I think that he's nice and all that. So we went to the wedding together with my friend. He was from Spain. And, yes, I saw, again, the, 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 the Venezuelan guy. And when I saw him, I thought, oh, my God, he's really cute. And he had actually gone by himself. So it was kind of tricky because he ended up going by himself, um, I guess, purposely. And then, obviously, and then he knew, obviously, for a year that I really wasn't going out with anyone or I didn't have a serious relationship because he was trying to, obviously, uh, get me to go with him to the wedding. And the fact that he went alone just made it more obvious. So when we kind of crossed each other's path, uh, it was near like a, 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 the bar area. We were sort of flirtatious, and and then he asked me for, you know, if I wanted to have something to drink and blah, blah, blah. So one thing led to the other, and we ended up starting to dance. And we really never stopped dancing the whole evening. Um, I actually, you know, told my friend, look, you know, I, I think, you know, that this guy's really nice. I introduced him to my girlfriend. He was having a great time with his girl, with my girlfriend. And I ended up staying with him, you know, dancing the whole night. It was a lot of fun. And so much so that he then ended up taking me home. And then he said, um, you know, I, I really think you're super nice. I'd like to come tomorrow and bring you, bring you some breakfast and, and you know, um, continue getting to know you. So from that morning that he came, we never stopped going out for the following three months. It was like nonstop. I mean, it was like, you know, um, incredible. But by the three months, um, he said, look, I have to leave to New York. I had this already planned. Um, and, 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 it, and, and, you know, it was something that I had already been working on with my partner. And obviously, I never planned to fall in love. But I am in love with you, and I want to marry you, and 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 I think you know this this shows that I'm committed to you, um, even though I have to, you know, leave to New York. And I said, look, you know, it's it's too early. Uh, we don't know each other still. You know, I think we need more time. If you're really serious about it, um, why don't we kind of you know find a way of of, of making this work? And obviously, I've never been too fond of long distance relationships, but I really really have fallen for him. So I said. Let's do this. Why don't we plan, um, you know, for like a whole year, um, you know, our weekend. So this way we can really know that we're going to be seeing each other. So we bought our tickets for the, the whole year. So one weekend I will travel to New York and one weekend he will travel to Miami. And it was amazing because it was really fun. It was sort of going from, you know, the, the high you know, uh, buildings and the snow and the cold weather, you know, New York and cozy restaurants and, you know, the, the, the um, Center Park and all that beautiful stuff to the sunny Miami beaches, you know, dinners under the palm trees and all the romantic stuff, you know, with the nice weather in Miami. And that was for a whole year. So at the time I was working at Univision and, and it was fun because at 
5 o'clock, I will get out of Univision. I will be hopping on a plane, um, going to New York, arriving like at 8.30 in the evening. And, and then we will go almost every time I will, you know, fly to dinner. And same thing would happen when he would come to Miami. So I will pick him up at the airport on a Friday, you know, because the flight to New York is like two and a half, for two, two hours and 45 minutes. This went on for about a year. Um, at that time, on um, in, uh, um, in, uh, the um, towers, uh, there was the crash of the to- of the towers of 9/11 in New York, and this really sort of changed the dynamic of things for us because obviously um, a lot of his friends um, died in the in the towers. He was working working in the finance business, and and he was very very um, upset. This really changed um, our view about life and about sort of being together. We had already been doing this for about a year. So then he said, look, you know, I'm coming to Miami. I'm closing the offices, and, 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 and I just want to get married. Um, so he came to Miami, and, um, and, and we went to the courthouse um, a couple of days after he arrived. We went to the courthouse, and we got married. And, and we were, like, completely, obviously, in love. Um, and, and, and one thing that I forgot to mention, by the way, is that um, there were signs of him that were so beautiful because when I was in the, uh, and finishing off with the Venezuelan guy, uh, the previous guy that I was going out with, they were actually friendly. They knew each other. And I learned months later that he actually called him up and he said, look, you know, I, I, I know that you were going out with Yovanka and I really, you know, would like to, um, you know, pursue going out with her. Are you okay with that? And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. No problem. So this kind of gestures, which I learned later on, um, showed me that, that he really, you know, wanted, knew what he wanted, you know, and he, and he really was after, you know, uh, a serious relationship with me. And, and, and obviously the fact that we were both so committed for the whole year, um, it just showed that, you know, we, we really wanted to be with each other. And obviously 9-11 um, made things, you know, more, more obvious for us. So since then, uh, we've been together for 18 years, um, happily married, passionately married. We have two children. Uh, we have, you know, my son who's 13, my daughter who is um, 11, and, and, and completely in love, and we kind of keep it going, you know, we, we still go out on date, um, on date nights, and we try to do everything possible to sort of maintain that spark that, that, that we had uh, from the beginning. Uh, and it's been and it's been beautiful, you know. It's been it's been amazing. We've, we we travel. We have similar interests, you know. And and uh, we keep we keep also the fire um, still going on. Uh, so I think that's what um, our love story has made it so so unique and and, and different. Um, and, and we're still you know going strong, like I said. <laughs> that is so awesome, Ivanka. Eighteen years. It's a long time. And it's also like overcoming many things that were in your way. I mean, he could have said, oh, you know, whatever. This girl doesn't take my calls, doesn't want to go out. I'll move on. But he didn't. And you didn't either. So that is so beautiful. And to maintain the fire, as you say, for all this time, can you give um, young couples an advice on how to keep the love alive for so long? Of course, thank you. Well, I think first and foremost, 
Um, you have to, no matter what, even if there's kids involved, you gotta think that you that you come first. You know, you as a couple. And and the reason why is because eventually kids will go. You know, they will leave. Um, I also think it's it's like everything in life. You you gotta put the time. You gotta put the effort. Um, I think as as women and, and as a Latina woman, I believe very much that you gotta maintain that that sort of spark, always trying to you know uh, look nice, um, you know keep your your physique uh, as as best as you can, um, be that a little bit of mysterious, and and I think the same way it goes for the guys. You know they they gotta keep that, and then just sort of have some kind of you know, uh, tradition where perhaps you have, like, Friday night, um, it's, like, your night for dinner, uh, you know, and, and another night is, you know, uh, for dancing, but you, you got to keep that sparkle going because if you don't, um, I think, you know, eventually many things come in the way, you know, and as you progress uh, and, and, and you get married and you have kids and you have responsibilities and you have work, things get harder. And I also tell my friends, which they laugh about it, but I always tell my friends that um, I, I do, you know, fun things. You know, like I, I dress up sometimes and we pretend that he's going to meet me somewhere and I kind of wear like a wig and I become someone else and we do like the whole thing. Like if he doesn't know me and he's trying to pick me up and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of letting him be courteous. So we keep it fun also. Uh, I, I think that's very, very important that you, you laugh and you, and you enjoy the relationship uh, because, again, you know, things get in the way and, and, and a lot of times they can be very difficult and very challenging. And and I think you also have to keep the spark of the sex going. I mean, you have to make it very passionate. You have to make it very um, hot and steamy, if you want to say so, because that, that will play a role as well, you know, in the, in the long run. And as you obviously have kids and all that, it becomes a little more difficult. But we keep that also as a, as a priority for us. Um, so my advice is that, also communication, uh, make time and have fun um, in the relationship. And put yourselves first and foremost, even if there's kids, even if there's family, responsibilities, uh, because everything else, you know, can take away that, that, that spark that initially got you connected. Thank you so much, Javanka. No, <laughs> thank you. I love it. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And I said, that's beautiful. And I think we need a lot of love stories out there. You know, uh, people people need to know that love is the most important thing in the world. You know, love to friends, love among, you know, men and women, whoever, you know, it's, it's very important. So thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this amazing show of yours. Our next and last story comes from someone that has already been on the show before. And I decided to bring him back because we are celebrating Pride Love. And Jamie and his partner, after all these years, are still very happily in love. My partner Michael, or Micah Hayes as I call him, have been together for 25 years. We met in 1990, six weeks after I moved to New York to break into publishing. Now, whenever people ask us how we meet, I always tell them Central Park. It was September 23rd, the first day of fall. I was walking my roommate's dog. Micah Hayes was jogging. We went out a week later. Been together ever since. That's so romantic, girls would gush. 
It's actually impolite to ask gay men where they met because the answer is rarely polite. It's almost never at a party or through friends. It's more likely cruising on the street, at the bathhouse, on the phone lines. In those days, this was before pickup apps. Or at best, a bar. Micah Hayes and I did meet in Central Park, but in the Ramble, the Brothers Grimm wooded area of winding paths famous for watchers of birds and seekers of snakes, the one-eyed kind. Basically, it was a, a, a gay cruising area. It was twilight. I wasn't having any luck until a blonde wearing a gold shirt, jeans, and a suede backpack materialized under the newly lit streetlight. The blonde smiled. I smiled. He motioned me up the hill with his head. I followed. The sex had a tenderness that I hadn't, had, I hadn't felt in situations like that, and he possessed a sweetness that I'd never, well, I'd never experienced with anyone before. When it was over, rather than immediately separating and walking away with an awkward, uh, thanks man, see you around, or more likely saying nothing at all, which usually happens in, in situations like that, we hugged each other. Intensely. For a long time. Neither of us wanted to let go. When we finally did, we, we stared into each other's eyes in the semi-dark of the new light. We walked hand in hand out of the park. Under the street light, he looked at my hair. Oh, you're a redhead, like me. I looked at him. You're not a redhead, you're blonde. Now, I wasn't ready to pick out China patterns yet, but if this was going anywhere, there could only be one redhead in this relationship. Strawberry blonde, he conceded. With his close-cropped and side-parted hair, he was a boyish 32 to my 22. He was as adorable as a dentist from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Then I saw his eyes. They were unlike any I'd ever seen before. A blue-green, but with a halo of gold around the pupils. We went out a week later on a real date. I brought him a bouquet of blue irises, the Tennessee State Flower, and he took me to dinner at Yippee-Yayo, a Texas country cooking joint. He told me that he'd been looking for me. Just months before we met, he was in Scotland and paid a visit to a legendary tree where people leave a garment and make a wish. My wish was to meet the love of my life, he told me. I tied a tube sock to a branch and made my wish. To think that I could be had for the sacrifice of a tube sock, a jock strap would have been more romantic. But I'd been looking too. I'd really only had one real boyfriend before him, and that was back in my freshman year in college. Since then, I'd had a cavalcade of men, but no boyfriends. Some people were serial monogamists. I was a serial fornicator. Some people call that a slut. The guys I actually dated tend to have big personalities like mine, but turned out to be no-count flakes. Micah Hayes was unlike anyone I'd ever gone out with before. While I was usually on, telling jokes, doing impressions, talking about old movies in the theater, he was reserved and soft-spoken, talking about politics and ways to improve life in the city. He was an architect, which impressed me. I had wanted to be an architect before I discovered the theater and realized all the math involved in becoming an architect. But Micah Hayes was a, an eager audience member, always ready for a good time. Best of all, he called when he said he'd call. He showed up where he said he'd show up, usually meticulously dressed in a plaid blazer bow tie and silk pocket square. After nine months, I moved in with him to the Upper West Side apartment on West 82nd Street he already lived in. And 25 years later, we're still together. 
Now, my Texas tornado of a mother, Mama Jean, never quite bought the Central Park story, at least the way I told it. Now, let me get this straight, she said. You were walking a dog, and Michael just stopped running, turned around, and said, I believe I'll have some of that? <laughs> Pretty much, I said. I don't get quite how that works, but okay. Whenever she would introduce Michael to her friends in Texas, she would always say, Now, this is Jamie's roommate, Michael. Uh, they met in Central Park. Okay. But you know what? Even with the sugar-coated facts, she managed to extract the essence of our meeting. And let's face it, those kinds of meetings rarely turn into a date, much less a relationship, and certainly not one that's lasted for 25 years. But that's our story. Thank you so much for listening to Singling. This is the end of the episode. And it's also the end of this season. We're going to take a break for the summer. But of course, we're not going to leave you dry. We're going to give you some bonus episodes. So stay tuned. And if you like Singling, please tell your friends and write a review on iTunes. It really helps others to find the show. And of course, if you want, you can make a contribution and donate on patreon.com. And I'll talk to you in September. Have a great, amazing summer, and don't forget to keep loving.